Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Autism Annex podcast. I'm John Andrew Slominski. Behind the scenes here on the podcast, or more accurately, behind the microphone, I talk with people who experience the world of autism and neurodiversity in so many different ways. And all episodes come together a little differently. For today's episode, I had two conversations with my guest, Jessica Smith, and her mom, Lisa. You'll meet them in a moment. Jessica, as she'll tell you, is on the spectrum, and our two conversations went very, very differently. In one, Jessica was calm, collected, and relaxed. And in the other, she told me that her anxiety and stress were almost intolerable. I say almost because, as you'll hear, Jessica is impossibly perseverant. She deliberately accepts challenges, like being on the podcast, as opportunities for growth and insisted that we carry on, no matter what. Jessica, if you're listening, thank you for sticking with this project, even when things got tough. So Jessica, I hear you finished high school this year, right? Yeah. Well, big congratulations. And it's worth mentioning, you were also recognized right at graduation for a bunch of your achievements. Tell me about that. Um, most of them were just because I did good in the classes. Like most um, of them were academic achievements, the but big the biggest one, one is she was recognized from the school and given a little scholarship. Yeah, it was from my assistive technology work. By the way, that's Jessica's mom, Lisa. You'll hear her proudly chime in periodically. Jessica, before we dive in further, let's start with a definition. What exactly is assistive technology or AT? Well, they they usually never even understand after I say it because it's so hard to explain. But I try and say it's like fabricating like things to help people, like materials to help people with their everyday tasks. That's what I sort of say in a nutshell. So in assistive technology or AT, you're providing technology and solutions for people who have challenges with navigating everyday activities. And you've devised your own approaches to assistive technology. How'd that start? Um, so I started back when I was in the ninth grade in like 2017, I got held back in high school. So, um, but back in ninth grade that summer before I started school, for some reason, I just wanted to play with some symbols and like cut out and laminate some for myself. So I was going around on websites looking for them and I learned about how, um, first responders need like to understand people with autism more so like there's not like any bad situations at this point as you're making communication boards you are totally self-taught when it comes to assistive technology how did you already know how important at could be i didn't really know how important it was in the beginning i just remember that i used stuff like that occasionally in um, elementary school. And for some reason, something just sparked in me saying, oh, I want to get some of these and make some stuff. You were also at the time you were having anxiety because you weren't doing well in school. Like you're having your outbursts. 
and they had mentioned the police a couple of times and um because she if she eloped they would call the police and notify me and that triggers some anxiety in her because she knows that when she's extremely upset or anxious she doesn't have the ability to one reason and two necessarily advocate for herself and speak up so and that was a big fear for her well and and that's so important right to have the tools to communicate uh, especially when things get tense since we're on a podcast and we can't directly show listeners could you describe the tools that you've made so for the record we're looking at a laminated piece of paper to start. What does it look like and what's on it? Um, so I have boards and like they say, like I want, and then they have like sensory stuff. Like I want headphones or it's too bright or it's too loud. And then I have like canine on there. Need help prescriptions, right? Mm-hmm. It would ask things like, what's your name, right, Jess? Yeah. Um, it would say, please. It had a pain scale on it, so it had, like, the smiley well, face. some had pain scale. Yeah. So, in other words, if someone isn't able to communicate verbally or process orally in a given situation, they can point or watch someone else point using one of your communication boards. Now... I imagine there's a learning curve for people who haven't used AT before. How would you train people or maybe help first responders to know what to do in these kinds of situations? The police would have to explain some way to the person that's nonverbal to point to the boards if the person never pointed to the boards. That would be the only problem. Yeah. But um, the first responders would have to like know, like to be patient with the person to point to the boards. One of them I was thinking about today. So I've been writing social stories, and I'm writing a social story for a police department right now about their canines, and I want them to like not like speak completely dumb. But, like, I want them to, like, speak clearly and, like, make sure that people of autism understand. Because I know some of the times when I've been in crisis, like, if I'm, like, if I was acting out towards the police, like, they would start mocking me a little bit. And they were, like, a little rude towards me. Like, well, seemed rude, but they were probably just as stressed out as I was. But that wasn't very good. And um, I'd also like them to be trained more on how to handle them with, like, um, like having fidgets and knowing to keep, like, a calm demeanor. It's been received, well-received, and identified as a um, need within the police department of having other means of communication with the population because not only does it work for the nonverbal, but it would also work it works well for people in, that are scared yeah for like if they're that, in like a bad medical accident and they can't talk for some reason but also the alzheimer's population several of the police departments have nursing homes and assisted living and um, facilities and they felt that these were some uh, items they could use for for these sites. Speaking of other approaches and applications for assistive technology, 
You've branched out a little bit into 3D printing, and I'm curious, what sorts of things are happening in that area? Um, do you know what Maker's Making Changes? No, what is it? So they have volunteers who will 3D print assistive technology for um, people with disabilities. So I was on there and I got one of their 3D printed kits. Like October, I got it, but in November, I started working with um, the state assistive technology program, TechAL. And I started doing trainings with them and doing their monthly network meetings where I can talk about what I do. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a little interested in t- with the fabrication part. Like, say, if somebody had trouble writing, there's like a piece you can put on their hand and it would hold a pen and it wouldn't be able to write. Like, I wouldn't be able to think of that. But I've gotten into the fabrication a little bit. So that's awesome. what really got me started with TechAl. Yeah, let's talk about TechOwl, which you've gotten involved with and is a really interesting organization. What is TechOwl in Pennsylvania and what do they do? TechOwl is the state assistive technology program they'll do. They, they give out tablets and phones and they also do 3D printing for low cost or free for the people in Pennsylvania. And then actually, each state has their own program. So if you go on the TechOwl website, you can follow the link and you can get and connected with the um, t- assistive technology program in this, your state. And Jessica, for you personally, since you've been connected with TechOwl, what are some of the projects that you've been involved with and interested in? I've I've helped them with, like, I don't really consider it, like, a lot of projects I did because I just started in November. But I've seen some of their um, projects. They had these virtual reality headsets to help people in nursing homes. And I ended up just helping um, one of the guys that did it with their switch adapting class. And I think switches are probably my most favorite part of assistive technology because you can like make anything work with a switch if you know what you're doing. So when I think of switches, I think of light switches, but you're talking about something completely different in terms of using switches to help people's everyday lives with a lot of different activities and and applications. How does that work? So you take a stereo cable and you like solder it in or like you can attach it in a battery compartment. And like if you do it right, when you plug in the switch and press it, it should make the toy work. And also if you have, there's a thing called a power link. And if you plug a switch into that and plug it into an appliance, you can control the appliance with a switch. Like if they can't move their hand, or they even have switches where it's like you can use a finger or you can like bump your head on something. And then they also have stuff where like if there's like little tremors in your hands, like if with like even the slightest movement, it'll make the device work. Jessica, a long time before you started helping others to overcome challenges through assistive technology, 
You lived through some pretty big challenges yourself. Could you talk a little bit about growing up and what that experience was like for you? Um, so for me, it was hard because nobody really knew I had autism until second grade. And I didn't really get services till fourth grade. But, like, it was just torture. Like, I would have school. And I did somewhat good in elementary school. But, like, I had, like, always had, like, the principal, like, helping me. Luckily, she was really nice. She would, um, like, that was especially more towards I get, like, till fifth grade. She would let me come in her office and take breaks. There was just so many issues with me in school and me in daycare because in daycare I get bullied a lot. Like they started me in IEP with an IEP when I was in kindergarten. Lisa, if I could ask you to chime in here, what were you seeing during this time as a parent while Jessica was struggling? I was going to say she needed services from the get go, so she needed speech. She was exhibiting symptoms, uh, some of the telltale signs, but she's an only child. So it wasn't like we could put our finger on it, what was going on, but she was very rigid in a routine. And um, they recognized that she had some learning um, difficulties, especially with recall. I still have trouble with it today. Like when I this past year before I graduated, I really noticed they couldn't like if I read it to by myself, like I get nothing from the story. I'd remember nothing. They'd have to read it out loud to me. I'd have to be following the line with a pencil because I always have to. Um, my eyes like when I'm reading, if it's a lot of stuff to read, my eyes will just go all over the place and then I'll get lost. So I have to use like a finger or a pencil. And I think that's actually a great example of how even the smallest assistive technology, such as gripping a pencil to help your reading and recall, can be really meaningful. Jessica, now that you've graduated high school, what do you think you want to do next if, let's say, absolutely anything were possible? Well, I would like to work with Tech Al, our local assistive technology program. Like, I'd like to get a job there and, like, maybe um, help people, like, with communication devices, maybe work with their SLPs. Sometimes I'd even want to be an SLP. But, like, if, like, I could create, like, a job, like, because, like, I, you know, I do a mix. I do, like, some of, like, the fabricating but also like with like i do a lot of slp stuff like with like communication boards and stuff so i'd like to get a job there doing both of them i think a good job title would be is like a um, business administrator where she would um bridge the gap to allow like bring in all the technology show them how it's used help them use it to implement it. Lisa, as you see your daughter growing into adulthood and being of service to others, setting big life goals and and even stepping outside of her comfort zone right now to be on a podcast, as a parent, how does that make you feel? Jess has a great story 
especially with her struggles with the the um, autism, living with autism, and then also living with autism and mental health. Um, because she's overcome all of that and she's doing things now that her medication is adjusted right and that she um, can focus and grow. She's using this platform to step out of her comfort zone and do things she's never done. And I, she's a great, I am in awe of what she's done. Yeah, my mom's starting to make me cry thinking about, um, thinking back then. It's hard for her. And she should be very proud, which you should be, Jess, of where you've been and where you've come to. Because this, you've really come to the other side of things. Jessica and Lisa, I want to thank you both for being on the podcast and sharing your story today. And Jessica, I hope you'll keep us posted. I can't wait to hear what's next for you. You've been listening to the Autism Annex Podcast. I'm your host, John Andrew Slominski. Special thanks to my guests today, Jessica Smith and her mom, Lisa. If you'd like to learn more about assistive technology resources in the state of Pennsylvania, where Jessica lives, check out TechOwlPA, that's T-E-C-H-O-W-L-P-A dot org. You can also learn more about assistive technology programs in your state by visiting acl.gov. If you like what you've heard on the podcast, please consider sharing it this month with a friend who you think would enjoy it too. Thanks, as always, for your support. Until next time, take good care of yourself and one another.